This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we look back at a hugely positive Palace performance as the Eagles were edged out 2-1 against runaway leaders Liverpool. After a difficult opening 10 minutes, Roy Hodgson's men imposed themselves on the game and can feel aggrieved not to have at least got a point from the game. Sadio Mane had given Liverpool the lead for some superb football so Wilfred Zaha equalised late on. But moments later, Roberto Firmino won the game after some indecision in the home defence. Plenty of controversy to discuss and we'll be looking back at the game as well as reviewing some of your comments and questions too. I'll introduce you to my panel in just a moment. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. Okay, it's chat to the panel time. And first up, I think we'll talk to... I have to give them an appropriate introduction. It's Patrick O'Connor. Hi, Patrick. George. Good morning. Uh, good. Good day. How are you? Good. Good day. Yeah, I'm. I'm all right, mate. Good a little day. bit of a cold. A little, little bit hungover still from from Friday night when I went out and stuff because I'm old now. But other than that, I'm delightful. And you're, I take it you're delightful as well over there in the US of A. Yeah, I'm uh, doing fine, thank you. Appreciate you asking. How's How's the weather? Um, played golf yesterday, it's a little bit cold, uh, today it's raining, so winter is here, which I, my least favourite season is winter time, so just have to put my head down and survive it. As you know, me and Mikey always get jealous when you get snow and you get sort of pathological about it, so (laughs) not there yet, no? No, um, so being born in Thornton Heath, you know, didn't see a lot of snow, and when I did, I was, you know, happy to see it. Moving to America, all you see is snow from December to February. So I I'm, I get sick of it after about a day or two. So yeah, don't like it. Dr, you've seen th- snow in Thornton Heath, haven't you? So I better give you an introduction as well. Uh, um, <laughs> next up on the panel, it's Dr. Kernan. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, can I speak right, now? Stop. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen a bit of snow, but I haven't seen it in a while. To be fair, I'm just thinking about it now. It hasn't really snowed that heavily. Um, yeah, it's been it's been. I think for like five, six years at least, I would say. But in New York, the weather is really cold. Like I remember going there last March or was it this March? I'm not even too sure anymore. Um, But 
yeah, I was I was freezing to death and I was wearing like six or seven layers. Well, Dio, I've heard that some scientists are saying that it depends on the time of year as to whether or not it's cold. <laughs> no, like it's well, it's cold here as well right now, but at least I can manage it. But in New York, it's I think it's the grid system, you know, like the way that the buildings are laid out, it's just freezing, windy as well. So it's the grid system's fault that it's cold, right? Yeah, <laughs> windy, windy. Okay. <laughs> You like know what I mean? You know what I'm... Yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't necessarily know what you mean, but I don't understand the words and how they form a sentence. So it's freezing. I'll go with it, right? It's 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 much colder than it is in Croydon. Let me just say that. Yeah, right. So, you okay? All good? Yeah, I'm good. Um, same old. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> sort of told Patrick, but yeah, I'm fine. I'm broadly fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, we'll crack on. So, uh, just for those of you uh, listening... At, at home or wherever you're listening that's the thing with podcasts you listen to them wherever can't you um but i you, you'll notice that i'm you might have noticed that i'm producing this week uh technically producing mike will be doing the editing but it does mean that there'll be a few more weird sort of pauses uh and occasional random clips mainly of those drums uh the baseball noise and this kind of moody piano music We might we might play that whilst whilst the DR's thinking of how to answer questions, that kind of stuff. So I've got a bit of your contact to get to later on, but um, of course we'll be diving straight into discussing the Liverpool game and a lot of controversy in the game. Uh, and I took a fair pasting on Twitter from a couple of people because of it. But I think you know it'd be, it'd be wrong not to mention before we dive into the topics that it was it was an excellent performance by Palace, uh, a really just a positive. You know, we've we've had a tough run of games, but to sort of end that tough run against the you know the runaway leaders of the of the division and put in such a strong performance, it, it you know it's it feels really really good. It doesn't feel quite as bad as, as some of the defeats have felt, and I think you know there is some frustration there because we played so well and you know we had chances. You know, I used missed a great chance, Zaha right at the end missing a great chance, and of course taking us into the first topic we had. A goal many feel uh, should have stood um, chalked off after a, a VIR, VAR review or a VAR review, and I should be calling it both to to sort of emphasise the lack of consistency, I guess. VAR. But, um, VAR, 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 VAR. But, um, so of course, it, it, it sort of came towards the end of the first half after, you know, a, a difficult opening. Palace had been playing really well, and it would have been, I think, probably deserving to go in 1-0 up with the way that we were playing. Uh, and it was a free kick that Wilfred Zaha had won over by the sort of corner flag. Um, and a, a really good ball in from Luca, And it's uh, it's actually flicked on by uh, Wijnaldum at the near post. Goes to the far post where Tompkins just taps it in and you can see the players celebrating. Everyone's happy. But I thought the celebrations were a tiny bit muted. So I don't know if people were just having that little bit of, in, you know, that caution of celebrating, awaiting a VAR check or whatever. But... You know, when the check came, the sort of first view of it, I wasn't really, I didn't really see anything of any note other than Lovren falling in a heap, and I didn't think anything of it. Uh, but once the 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 push was highlighted, you know, I kind of before the decision was made, I I just thought, yeah, this isn't this isn't going to go our way, unfortunately, and it didn't. And um, you know, I'll give my views in a bit, but I, I'll let you jump in there, dear. Well, first of all. The celebrations were in the stand were amazing. Like I didn't, I didn't look at the players. I lost myself. One of them situations where you just crumble up and don't know where you are for a hot second. So yeah, the celebrations in the stand were amazing. But 
in terms of it being disallowed, of course, in a stadium, when it was happening, you just, you're going to go with the crowd and you're going to say, oh, VAR, hate it, hate it. Um, of course, uh, it was disappointing in a way, but yeah, it, it, it added drama to it in a way, um, if you're looking at it from neutral perspective. But in terms of the actual call, was it correct one? Looking back at it, unpopular opinion, but I kind of do see the reason why it was overturned. As there was a clear, there was a contact from IU. Maybe it wasn't strong enough for Lovren to drop the way he did, but there was still contact there. That's how I saw it. But then again, was it directly linked to the goal itself as Lovren and IU were not involved? Um, no, it wasn't. So it's a bit confusing in that uh, in that aspect. And later on in the game, um, you're looking at Liverpool's second goal. There was a case for Van Dijk potentially pushing Jeffrey Slot. So similar situation, not exactly the same, but a similar situation did happen, and they didn't overturn that. So the the more the most thing I'm annoyed about is the fact that it was the decisions were inconsistent. If that was a foul on Dejan Lovren, then that should have been a foul on Jeffrey Schlupp as well. That's how I see it. And I understand your point, Dio. Um, so I'm going to go to a couple of things. I watched goals on Sunday this morning and um, uh, Cami was um, breaking down the goal. And as much as I don't want to admit, Jordan Ayew clearly pushes him in the back. He just does. Now, the fact that he's not involved in a play, to me, is not important because a foul is a foul, especially a foul in the box. So... Even though the commentators yesterday when I was watching the game also said that it didn't affect the play. You can't push someone in the back and Jordan Ayew clearly did that. So for me, it's a foul. But the point you and I think Chris might have also said is that, um, and I think I read it somewhere also, you can call that foul 90% on every corner kick in every professional match that you watch. So are they going to go back now? And they're not going to do it. Are they going to re- uh, do that for every uh, free kick and, and corner? Because they would be calling a lot of fouls. Um, and that's going to be an issue. What I also noticed yesterday was they they changed the how they how VAR works. They decided now I, I noticed they showed the replay of the actual play, unlike at Arsenal on the screen. So fans got to see exactly why the goal was called back. And if you watch it and you're not biased, you're going to see that there's a clear push. So as much as I don't want to admit it, that to me that was a clear foul. My only issue now is going to be with VAR, and I I'm I've been a big uh, VAR advocate. I think DR has kind of been, I think some of the laws have to be changed, is that they have to decide now are they going to be calling every single push in the box, which they're not going to do. If they do that, every single goal on a free kick will basically call back. Also, special shout out to Kevin Friend, because I thought he was awful in terms of a refereeing <laughs> game. Probably the worst performance. No, honestly, probably the worst performance from a referee so far this season. Um, I mean, he's the new Klanberg, isn't he? Um, I think Liverpool undefeated in their last four Premier League matches under, under Friend. And since 2014, Liverpool now have a hefty 77% win rate under Friend in the Premier League. I don't know. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but you look at some of the decisions yesterday, I'm not that surprised. Well, we'll get into that for a second. I do want to quickly jump back to it. I was going to make the point later on, but you, you brought it up, so it's a good good chance to discuss it now. And, and Patrick's touched on it as well, around the consistency of those types of fouls in the box. And again, consistently judging if it all teams. You know, your immediate thought is if that's the other end, you know, do Liverpool get that goal chalked off? And most Palace fans, particularly as it happened, would say no chance up the other end. You know, of course, you always feel that way because you have, you know, bias towards your club. But also we do see, you know, that the, the bigger teams do get 
decisions go their way more often than the smaller teams. It, it does seem, but again, it's hard to know that from from you know watching a game when you've got such an emotional investment in one of the teams. But you know, the, you talked about the, the the sort of slight push on Schlupp from uh, from Van Dyke, which I think it was. You know, being honest again, I think slightly less contact than the um, the IU push, which was two handed in the in the back after an initial pull, but. I think probably more troubling is if you then start to look wider in a, in a wider scope as the ball comes in from the corner, there's a, a full two-handed push in the back from Luca on Wijnaldum. Again, nowhere near the ball and, and, and not talked about at all, but it is, it's a, it's a push in the middle of the penalty area. And even though, you know, I'm arguing a case that it's a foul by a Palace player and a Liverpool player in the box, you know, that's not given. You know, there's no foul given there. So, and you know, then all of a sudden you've got a, an exact inconsistency there where we've got a goal chalked, out, chalked off for something that, that is exactly the same as something that was completely ignored. So inconsistency there. And then there's also Martin Kelly is actually climbing on top of, of Divock Origi as the ball comes in as well. So you could argue a foul there. And I think that's where people are getting fed up. And that's where, you know, VAR is going to have a problem because all that stuff just happens all the time. And, you can't just pick and choose what, what you're going to call a, a decision for. I would have liked to have seen the common sense of, okay, that foul has happened, but when Aldum's flipped the ball on, the two players involved, nothing's going to happen. And just because Jordan Henderson's, get, Jordan Henderson's getting in the referee's face, it doesn't mean we have to go back and give that because it was completely irrelevant to the goal. And I'd like to have seen that level of common sense applied, but letter of the law, we, we can't really argue. And, We've had decisions go in our favour that perhaps even worse than that. I'm I'm watching it back now, um, the Van Dyke situation, and it seems like not only there's a push, but from this angle, it seems like Van Dyke's knee slightly catches Jeffrey Schlupp as well. So uh, it's I feel like there's more of a case of that being overturned than than are you one. If you're actually looking at that whole body and how we actually get Jeffrey Schlupp, that is a foul. I mean, that's a foul. I didn't see this till now. But looking at it from this angle, he clearly, his knee goes forward and also his hand is on Jeffrey Schlupp. So there is clear contact there. So that's that's the only thing. Uh, inconsistency. Why wasn't that called? Because they could see these angles. Um, maybe we couldn't see it in a stadium. But yeah, look, I'm just looking at it now. Wow. And you know what? Last year, this is pre-VAR. I remember we had a discussion about this, Chris, and DL might remember also that there was a, there was a, a, a time, a couple of matches in a row where on every corner kick, the referee is pulling up the, a player for holding, you know, blocking off a player and calling a foul. It happened, up, I think, three or four matches in a row, and then all of a sudden they kind of stopped it. So for me, again, this is not necessarily on this. This is not necessarily a VAR thing. This again, this comes back to referee. And we talk about again the offside law. The offside law has to be changed because this whole thing with a guy being centimeter offside is absolutely ridiculous. The handball law has to be revised also because they're trying to hand to ball, ball to hand. I think some laws have to be changed. Because like I said, I remember last year, I just remember specifically a couple of pass games where on set plays, on corner kick ticket, they would call a foul as the ball came in automatically and they would just stop the play and call a foul. And then they stopped doing it. I guess it was getting too over-officiated. And then again, now with VAR, you're looking at, you know, things uh, at small ways. Again, DR makes a great point with the Van Dyke play. Was that a foul? You could have called that back. So I think it's a officiating thing as much as a VR issue right now. I really do. I think that's fair. And, and you know, it gives the sort of last point on this topic really is we, you know, we go back to the officiating. You know, DR's quite rightly pointed out that, you know, Kevin Friend was a was a troubling presence as a referee in the game. Um, and I think in, in general, 
it, it does feel, you know, I, I've probably said it more, I think it was even a couple of seasons ago, right? I've said that there's the Premier League scripts we're in. I think we were, it was actually under De Boer where we played Liverpool away from home, second game of the season. I just got nothing, just no, not a single decision. And I just felt at that time, it's like that's where you start to question the integrity of the whole Premier League itself, as well as just the officiator. Um, but I do genuinely think there is, there's always a problem when the bigger teams, the more high-profile teams, and the more high-profile players are involved because you know referees being human beings, they are influenced by those personalities and by those teams and by those stakes. And in a way, that's what VR is supposed to be there to to help iron out. It's to help go into these situations where you know a referee has been influenced by the crowd, influenced by the opposition captain or, or the players around him. And he's, he's given a, a decision that's that's been, you know, unconsciously biased, but it's still it's still there. And that's you know, and when it's a key decision, you want to see VAR, you know, technology applied to actually undo that damage. But unfortunately, what we're seeing again is a complete lack of that that the system support in that situation. Um, but again, in this one incident, it's hard to argue. But what I did, I like to see the fact that the um, the decision and and the clip for it was actually played in the ground. Dr, did you see that on the big screen? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I couldn't get off mute. I couldn't get off mute. <laughs> um, yeah, I did actually see it, um, and it was clear. That's I saw it on the screen where Ayu actually pushed Lovren, and I, that's why from that point on, I was like, yeah, I think there is a, there is a point there. But as I said, that didn't stop me from singing. Uh, Fuvar. Um, <laughs> now, did I say? Did it? It didn't help, did it? It just, it, you know, people seeing that. Did people didn't just suddenly go? Oh no, there was a push. No, 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 exactly no. right. So, personally, I didn't. I, I like the. I think the thought behind it, but I don't think that that helps. What I think would absolutely help is just again seeing. And a lot of people have talked about it. Seeing the referee go to the VAR monitor and look at it himself, and and the referee has given the goal. And it's him that's being overturned. So what he should be able to go and have input into whether or not he agrees with the the interpretation of the VAR uh, officials. And I'm not necessarily saying he has to do that for every incident, but something like that I think is important enough that you've really got to work to protect the integrity of the decision. And that's what gets people angry. Uh, and just to sort of finish this off, I, you know, those, those of you who did get angry with me saying it was probably about fair enough on Twitter, I didn't give the decision, so... You know, don't take it out on me, right? And um, you know, obviously, I I had I took no pleasure at all from having that opinion. I would much rather have the opinion that um, it was a completely unjust decision and spend five six hours today ranting about it. But unfortunately, I, I don't feel that way. Um, although I am frustrated, and I think we we didn't get what we deserved from the game, which is a real shame. Don't believe him, guys. Um, <clears throat> Hamburg related <laughs> to Kevin Friend. Um, Put their pictures side by side, and you can see <laughs> see that. Wait, the, yeah, yeah. Amber's related. To You're not believing well, one. Well, bit. let's pick. Let's pick that apart. He, he, he I, said I, that before the show. He said that you know what, Kevin Friend is my distant cousin, and I felt bad for him after the game. You had to go and just let it all out. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, there is no resemblance there, is there? Let's face it. Also, <laughs> there is. He's related to Kevin Friend, guys. Don't listen to him. But yeah, you've just become confused. Kevin's just my friend. There you go. <laughs> oh wait, is he? Exactly. See, no. Yeah, here we go. I'm telling. Incredibly <laughs> yeah. weak pun on his surname. Right. Um, we'll move on, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game now. Uh, although I dare say we'll touch on more controversy later on, potentially. Uh, just before we do jump into that, um, we've been a bit lax in putting the uh, the WhatsApp number out there for you to give us your voice review. So I want to make sure I push that again today. So uh, chuck this number in your phone, 0203-575-1266. And you can use that to send uh, WhatsApp voice messages to us to react to the game, and we'll play them on the show. Apologies for those of you that have and we've not used them. So it's just been a little bit hectic at um, back of the nest towers of late, but we'll get back um, doing that properly fairly soon. So... And obviously plenty of contact as well we've had this week. We'll get to as much as we can, but always appreciated. So get in touch with us on the socials, or if you haven't got any of those, you can email us, hi at backofthenest.com. Thank you to everyone that has. We've had people uh, giving us feedback, suggestions, all that kind of stuff. It's all welcome, and, and we do take it all seriously and, and have a think about how we can improve the show off, off the back of it as well. So thank you to everybody who's got in touch to either say positive or negative things or make suggestions. It's It's always good, always good to hear. Thank you. And also, if you're feeling happy about it, chuck, uh, chuck us a review on iTunes or your relevant podcast app. I mean, five stars is the absolute minimum. I believe that's the, the law now, that you have to give five stars. Um, so if you could just do that, that'd be amazing. And that helps other people find the show and hopefully enjoy it. Right, gents, let's get into the meat of the match itself. Once again, emphasis on the fact it was a very good performance. In fact, Andrus Townsend, after the game, called it the best performance of the season. And he talked particularly about how the players were um, without possession and how many ch- they restricted Liverpool to, to very few chances, which I have to say was a big take-home from me as well. I thought it was, I was really surprised at just how well we negated Liverpool's, Liverpool's strengths. And they ended up scoring through, not quality, but just a little bit of indecision on a, on a couple of incidents. And, and, you know, we can consider ourselves very, very unlucky. So, Let's let's talk first up about the fact there were no changes from the Chelsea lineup in terms of personnel. The only change was on the bench where Riedervaud dropped out uh, and Max Meyer joined the um, the match day selection. And but there was much more that was different than that. And I think Dr and I were talking um, before Patrick joined us earlier on um, about the fact that that uh, you can see what the difference was in terms of the positions of the players. So I think you're going to talk a little bit about that as well, Dr. But if I start. Um, the thing that was really noticeable for me for, in terms of looking at the average posi- uh, positions of the team, 
was not only that Townsend and Zaha were, were pushed up the pitch and, and Ayu was that little bit higher, but actually the midfield three, although still very much kind of averaging out in a, in a sort of straight line across the midfield, they are actually more advanced than the fullbacks, where usually we do see the fullbacks push beyond the midfield. And I think that really made a huge difference in the game, that the midfield was much more involved further up. And you didn't have any single person sitting back and letting the others go or anything like that. They moved as a unit. And you know, Liverpool found that very, very hard to break and incredibly hard to get down the flanks, particularly on the right-hand side where Coyote got very, very close to Joe Ward throughout the game uh, and really gave an awful lot of backup. And obviously Martin Kelly, when he came on as well, got the the um, the benefits of that. And, and Liverpool focused a lot of their attacks down Patrick van Arnholt's side where obviously Zaha was in a much, much more advanced position and neither Luca nor MacArthur got quite as close to PVA. Uh, to protect that side. so But overall, a really good little shift in, in not necessarily formation, but just those the sort of intent and the positions around it. I agree. <clears throat> I mean, you look at the charts compared to Chelsea, uh, Andros was way more up the pitch. Jordan Ayew was also up the pitch. And also, as you said, the midfield three, they were more forward as well. And just not just looking at the game itself, forget about the player chart, uh, the position charts. You could see it from the eye test that we weren't sitting back. And Roy actually said this before the game, which I wasn't too sure about, um, if it was actually playing mind games with Jurgen Klopp. Um, he said that we're not going to sit back. And I was like, are you sure about that? We know what's going to happen. And I think others were with me when he said that. We weren't really believing in him. But fair enough, we really didn't approach the game like we have the other previous four, four to three games against the big sides. And just, just a reminder that, yeah, this is... It's Liverpool, but this is not only Liverpool from last season compared to this season. This season, they seem like they have a different kind of belief. They're playing even better football, and also they're the European champions. Like, and the fact that we approached this game in this manner and gave them a good chance, and we should have came with something out of the game, is just encouraging to see. And I mean, that's the. Fi- I was thinking about this. I was. I feel like we've got more attacking players than defensive players in this team, and we saw it yesterday that when we do play attacking we look way more dangerous than us just sitting back and trying to hit teams purely on a counter-attack and sitting back deep. And I mean, the manager plays a massive part in that. Imagine imagine Roy Hodgson managing that Liverpool side yesterday. Would they would they have played the same way that they would have played under on the way that they did under Klopp? No, they wouldn't. So manager has massive influence and Roy gave them freedom yesterday and I thought it worked out pretty well. Hopefully he gives them the freedom against less opposition and like that, I think we'll pick up more results. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, without a doubt, we were more aggressive. And that's my frustration, why he chose to do it against the champions-elect and European champions, as opposed to trying against a Leicester, Chelsea, and even Arsenal. Because I think if we had done that, we might have picked up a, a more than just a single point. You know, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, and maybe we wouldn't. But you can just tell, I mean... Zaha and Townsend were so influential. And again, Townsend getting back into the lineup has been a huge change for me, I I felt. He was brilliant yesterday. Set up Zaha for the goal, set up Zaha for essentially a second goal. Played really, really well. Took on players. We got crosses in. We actually outshot um, Liverpool 16-12. to 12. I can't remember the last time we outshot a top side, either home or away. So we took more shots. I mean, you know, you had the schluck chance. You had... Luger had a couple of really good shots. Ayu had a couple of shots. I mean, you, we had, well, I remember in the past, I told you, I don't remember, you know, things that happened in the match that were, were you know, uh, 
memorable. But in this match, there were so many chances that we had because we were on the front foot. And that's why I think we, that's why I'm disappointed with the, the previous four matches. But I think we could have done this against the Leicester. And like I said, and even Chelsea and, and maybe got something out of it as opposed to waiting to play the best team in the country and do it. So it's, it's within us to do it. That frustrated me again that the, the manager waited till now. Glad it happened. Love Townsend and Wolf's comments after the match about we know want to take it forward, but we've got to really decide that this is what we're going to have to play. Red season stop being so passive. Well, I do think in in some ways you know, you, it is for the team to kind of show that to the manager at times. You know, give him that belief in them, and I think the players did that. Um, I do I think that the the point I made earlier was was in, was really important with Townsend, in that Coyote was asked, you know, really to to sort of hang mostly around that right-hand side and give that extra bit of protection because that just gave Andros that freedom. You know, we've picked Andros out a few times and saying that, you know, it feels like, we, you know, in the past, the way he's being played, that he's being destroyed because he's not being allowed to play his natural game because of the defensive focus. So I think the, the coaching staff and manager did a brilliant job just giving him that extra freedom. And he really just took that opportunity with both hands, given that license to to get at players. I don't think, think I've seen him use skill to beat players on such a regular basis like he did uh, in in this game. And it was brilliant to see. I mean, he, he, you know, spoiler alert, he's, he was my man of the match by quite a way. And I just thought he was absolutely superb. And if he's playing like that for the rest of the season, you know, we'll we'll win more games than we lose at this rate. I mean, that was that performance shows us what we can do and what we should be doing. And, and I'm sure, you know, Roy is not stupid. You know, the coaching staff are not stupid. They will see that. And they will take a lot of learning from that as well. And it's, you know, you never stop learning about your players and your team. And you know, yeah, it was it was a really important game, in my opinion. Um, quickly on Andros' stats: three key passes, four successful dribbles, two accurate cross passes, and ninety-one point seven percent passing accuracy. You give belief to this team by telling them that they could play like that week in week out. And I'm pretty sure that one, the fans will help, uh, will like Roy more. And we'll enjoy the football more. And two, the players will actually go out there and show more performance like that. I'm not saying that every performance will be uh, like we like we played against Liverpool. Of course, you have your off days, but I think a more of an attacking style of football suits our players rather than what we usually do. And to point out what Hamburg said, I'm going to agree 100% credit to Hodgson and the staff because by using Townsend and Zaha in that way, it really clipped back and pushed back Robertson and Arizona Arnold, who are two of their most attacking players, and by pinning them back, it allowed us to get forward more. You know, negated a lot of their attacking uh, uh, ways, and I think again that's credit to what Hodgson and the staff side to do with with them. So again, fair play to them and great job by them yesterday with that with that game plan. Absolutely right. We talked about chances. I think one of the key chances early on in the game uh, was a ball put in by Kayate to Ayu. And he's just, you can just see that almost split second of indecision. And he goes to plays it with the outside of his foot rather than the inside, knocks it wide. It's a huge opportunity in the game. Like, you know, you, you, it's always a what if. You do wonder if we'd put that away. And I want to sort of bring up a, a point now. As much as we absolutely love Jordan Ayew now, and, you know, and the effort that he gives and, you know, the, and the quality that he's shown as well. You know, it's sort of, I know there's a almost a bit of a joke about how much people are loving, loving Ayew, but. You know, it is serious. We Everybody does recognise the hard work and quality that he has. But, of course, we've been linked in the press with a number of strikers of late. And, um, you know, you mentioned, Patrick, that obviously we created a, a huge number of shots, um, created some proper chances. And you do wonder if that's the difference between us being 
you know, a, a, a side that has a sort of up and down roller coaster type season and us being consistently good and, and pushing into that sort of top half of the table and staying there. Um, so we've been linked with um, Edouard at, um, at Celtic. Olivier Giroud, linked with him as well. And of course, DR, your, your favourite, Chalov. Um, you know, can you imagine getting to a January window and, and Roy saying that, you know, I want Chalov, DR? Uh, hopefully not. Honestly, no, <laughs> no it's like with Chalov, I, I'm, of course, I, I'm not a Russian football expert, but when we were linked with him in the summer, of course, the first thing that you do is that you go and you watch a um, couple clips of him and see how he plays and read into him. And to be honest, I wouldn't spend 25 million on him. I really wouldn't. I just don't see it working out one way or another at Palace. I mean, you look at some of the goals that he scored there in the Russian League, fair enough, they're there were just average finishes inside the box, majority of them. Mm. And I'm just not convinced on Shalov. But uh, one player that you did uh, mention, Edward, uh, is that how you pronounce his name? No idea. Yeah, okay. Him, the Celtic player, uh, the 21-year-old uh, French striker. That's the type of player that I was actually more... Edouard, maybe, or something like that. I can't... Edouard, yeah. I don't know. No, it's um, one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Him, um, I, that's a player like him... I'm more convinced with. I mean, watching it, he can shoot with his left foot, right foot. Seems like he's got a bit of strength, a uh, bit of pace. So I can see his game translate more to into Premier League and our style of football rather than Shalovs, in all honesty. Well, I just hope we don't get to the end of the window and just think, where is, where's Chalov? Where is Chalov? Where's Chalov? Where is Chalov? <laughs> nah. nah where is Chalov? That's where not going is, to happen. Where, where is Chalov? Anyway, um, okay. Uh, again, just trying to use Hesketh's joke to annoy, to annoy you, Dr. And you just went with a serious answer. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so, but I, you know, I am making a serious point there about the fact that you know Roy's talked repeatedly about you know getting getting goals in this team, and he's more of late been talking around how almost that we have to play a certain way because of that lack of firepower that we have. Um, and we'll we'll come to talking about strikers a little bit later on as well, but. You know, we are definitely in the market. Uh, you know, at, with with some with some money in January to to try and bring someone in. It's it's clearly recognised as a very very important thing, a very tough thing to do to get guaranteed goals. It's not really possible that you, you know the strike you're going to buy is going to settle and be able to take those chances and be able to fit in with the system and all that kind of stuff. But you know, as well as fullbacks, I think you know that's that's something that's hugely important in January, and you know, January will be here very very soon. And um, that would be the difference between us, I think, kicking back up the table and maybe drifting for the rest of the season. So I have a point to make, and it's a, cool. it's a little off the wall, so just bear with me. Um, I'm a big Jordan Ayew fan, and I know who you are, Chris, too. But I feel that he seems to flourish more or feeding off of scraps, if you know what that term means, obviously with fewer chances. I find that, like yesterday, we created a lot of chances. He had, I would say, he had three or four really good chances that he didn't score. And I think it might be time to have Benteke back in the lineup. And I'll tell you why I say it. I know everybody's ready to throw him out and get rid of him, but I just feel like when he came yesterday, um, he showed a lot of confidence. Jobe had kicked the goal he set up for for, for Wilf. Um, he scored the goals, you know, over the international break with, with Belgium. I think that the way we're playing now with the confidence of both Wilf and Townsend, it might be time to put him in. And I don't, I, I feel it would be very, very harsh on Jordan Ayew, but I just think that, the chances of where we're playing now, I think that honestly, that Benteke would benefit more with his movement and his way of play than would 
Jordan Ayo. Again, I think that's a bit harsh, but I just kind of throw it out there to you guys. What do you guys think about that? I want us to approach the uh, Benteke situation like we did, like we did with Andros. Um, when Andros got dropped to the bench and we eased him and slowly back into the team, and he actually got a couple of good performances to earn his start. Um, I don't, I wouldn't start Benteke um, against Bournemouth. I think that we play next game. But Benteke, Benteke, Burnley, yeah. was it Burnley? Oh, yeah, I'm not too sure. Yep. Burnley, I, I still wouldn't start him. But, I mean, if you're talking about Benteke um, coming on, yeah, he had a good game. Um, he was involved with the first goal as well. But that's so. there were lots of positives from his game. But I wouldn't start him just now. But it's important that Benteke actually comes on and makes an impact just for Jordan I's sake because it's a long season. I and mean, if Benteke doesn't perform to a standard where he can't, Roy doesn't trust him to come off the bench, then you're going to overload Ayu with so like with so much work that when it comes to, towards the end of the season, he's just going to be absolutely knackered. So that's, there's two positives coming from this game that Benteke, yeah, he is performing, but that's going to help Jordan Ayu in the future as well. I will say this, and, I, and I'm not the only one who thinks it, looking at, at Twitter and some of the contact that we had as well. Um, that I think Wilf is much more of a threat with Benteke on the pitch. Totally. Um, I just think when Wilf, when Wilf has got something to feed off, and I think the two of them do have a quite a similar wavelength. And you look at, again, the setup for, for our goal. You know, Benteke plays a massive part in that before knocking it to Townsend. And it just, but the, the sort of confidence and, and the pace that he played at there, you know, we've used to kind of see Benteke used as this kind of battering ram in a, in a central position and his movement sort of goes out the window, but coming off the bench, you know, with a point to prove, you know, obviously he's, he's always up for the game against Liverpool anyway, but, you know, coming back off, off as you say, Patrick, the confidence um, from scoring for Belgium, he just, he was just that little bit sharper, you know, with, with a tiring defence as well, but, you know, seeing him sort of face up a defender and, you know, sort of shift the ball and put it back across, you know, you like to see that. He went very close with, you know, an acrobatic effort as well. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. It, it might be time. It might be time to give him a chance. But you know, Dion makes a very good point as well that you know it's a, it's a balance in how you manage that to get the best out of him. And, and I suppose you know he said it himself, Benteke. There is a bit of a decision to make in January because there is interest in him. Yes, we've got him on that extra year, but pretty much January is, is where he's going to be at peak value for us. Um, and we will probably need to make a call on whether he stays at Palace. I think. Uh, another problem with Benteke's starting is that it seems like whenever he does, we're just over-relying on hoofing the ball up to him and expecting him to just head the ball on to Anderson Wilf. And don't get me wrong, he's he's a big lad. He can do that. But I don't think it works out best for the team when we play like that. I feel like when we play more on the floor, like you saw with the first goal yesterday, it didn't start from Benteke um, heading the ball to Zaha and him running down the pinch. It started from all on the floor. So I feel like if we were to start Benteke, um, because how we've naturally just been, he's been that guy where you just kick the ball up to him. Um, I feel like that will continue. Whereas if you take him off the bench a bit and play a bit more on the floor as the game goes on and whatever, and players get used to him playing on the floor, then I feel like when he does start in the future, I think he'll be more ready for it rather than right now. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's have a little chat about the goals. So obviously Liverpool's first goal was uh, Sadio Mane and he'd got in sort of moments before um, and shot wide. And, you know, the, the little warning sign that we had was that he got right in between the centre-backs and, you know, Vardy did it and does it a lot, but did it against us as well. 
kept finding that gap between between the two centre backs, and that's a little bit of a concern for me because two players marking one player, and you you really do want one of them to sort of just take that little step nearer and, to, and just to keep his eye on him, um, because otherwise it really does expose you and. and Particularly when you've got players you can pick a pass like like Liverpool have in their side, it it, it just opens you out to to you know in a second you can have a player in behind and, and sh- having a shot on goal, and you don't really want to give those opportunities away. But anyway, he did miss, and and from the goal kick, you know the header comes straight back, ends with Firmino, and everybody backs off. Again, we see that a fair amount in in this team in the, in the way that we like to defend. It's all about positions, cutting off angles, that kind of stuff. But again, I just every now and then I think we just just want one player to take that responsibility, take that step out. And I think that's probably never more apparent than when the ball goes back out to Robertson and he puts the cross in. It's not a good cross and everybody misses it. You know, for me, it looks like Firmino is going to get it, but he misses it. But the two players running back, which I think is MacArthur and Milivojevic, they're running back towards goal, so they don't really want to touch it. So it's Tompkins who's looking up the pitch and he's the one that you want to step out and just get a foot on that just hit that ball away but he kind of just puts his arms out and stops because he's he's just got that little bit of indecision and it's not what you you don't even call it a mistake it's just that slight lack of just taking charge and, and sort of just not trying to you know anticipate too much just get your foot on the ball take the take the responsibility clear it and you, you might have had a chance to get there before anyone else did Unfortunately, he didn't. You know, Marley's not hit the best of shots either, and I think Guaita might be a little disappointed that he's got hands in, and 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 it's it's come off his hands and gone in off the post. Um, not not a great goal to concede, but ultimately, you know, there's, there's not too much of an error there, it's, and it's just a scrappy goal and a, and a bit of bad luck. I think from now on, whenever we play Liverpool or a side that has Mane starting, we should automatically adjust to say that, all right, we're 1-0 down because this guy is going to score against us. feels like <laughs> he just scores against us every time he plays. But overall, if you're looking at the defender, and I mean, I mean over the last couple of games, we've complained about corners and some of the goals that we've conceded. In the first half, I thought we were so good defending and the communication was clearly there. Liverpool were putting in early crosses in, but we managed to handle them pretty well. And shout out to all four of the back line uh, so that was really positive to see but then conceding a goal like that it just uh, it's just annoying because as you said Hambo it is not a good crossing to the box and I feel like watching it back it seemed like Tompkins pulled out of it because he saw James MacArthur was about to clear it and he kind of missed kicked the ball oh he didn't actually kick it he didn't touch it he missed he missed it and which lands to Mane and when he shoots guy to say guy to has a touch of it but it hits the post and goes to the other post it's, it's such like a FIFA goal in a way. Um, so <laughs> that was the annoying thing about it. But overall, there were so many positives from um, the defensive side of things as well after what we've seen over the last couple of games. Yeah, if you guys gamble, next time we play um, Liverpool, bet on Mane. Scored eight in the last 10 versus us, five straight matches. He's worse than uh, Son. He scores every time you play against him. It's very frustrating. As far as the goal is concerned, I'm with you. It's... It's a frustrating goal to give up. I think it was defended poorly. I guess why you've always already went through it. But I think it was unlucky for Guaita. I mean, it did deflect off of Cahill and then hit both posts. I mean, you can't get much more unlucky than that. But, you know, I could be disappointed in him not saving it. But like I said, I think the deflection is, would make it me harsh for me to say he should have saved it. So, just a disappointing goal yeah. to see. And, 
And it's worth noting he made a terrific save from from Firmino later on as well. You know, out of this world kind of save. Just can't can't quite believe he did it. It's another another brilliant reaction save. So, no, not really sticking the boot in there at all. Um, I think just to sort of back up Dr's point about how well we defended, I just want to make the point that the, that is what the, the point is. It's so difficult to defend at that level for every single second of a game. There's always something that gives. Otherwise, every, you know, every match would end nil-nil, wouldn't it? You always get those little bits of bad luck, that little bit of spin off the ball or something like that that just takes it away. And, you know, when you've got a, almost a 50-50 decision to make, it's it's so tough to make the right call every single time. It's, it's you know, the margins are so fine. So as much as we've kind of said, yeah, it's bad defending, I think it's we're saying it's bad defending with a kind of understanding that, we're not really sure that we could have actually done much about it. It's all hindsight. So certainly no real criticism from me. And also just looking at our defending as a whole and the way that we played, um, I don't think it's a coincidence that we defended well. Um, I mean, when you're sitting back all game and you've got your attacking players asked to defend rather than attack, there's so much pressure. And we, if we approach this game like we did with the other four games uh, previously, then I don't think we would have even played this good or even had a chance against Liverpool. But it helps when our attackers and our midfielders are so engaged to push and attack the Liverpool defenders when they have the ball or Liverpool midfielders that it eases the pressure off our defenders as well. And I feel like that's why we should continue playing this way going forward because, yeah, we're good going forward, but it also helps defensively in a way that you release the pressure off them. This is very cliched, but, you know, if we take any of those early chances that we had, the IU chance, the Luka chance, the Maka chance, I believe it was Maka had a chance. So if we, if we get any of those chances and we go up, it's a different match because uh, they didn't create a lot. I mean, uh, Chris is right. Great to make a great save on Firmino and, me, and, and Marnie missed a chance before he scored the goal. But if we could have gotten ourselves ahead and, and, and could have dictated a little bit more, it would have been a different match. But that's how football is, and that's what makes it so frustrating yesterday. Definitely. And, I, you know, we've been saying for weeks, really, and it can be interpreted as negative when, you, when you're losing a fair few games on the trot. But, you know, I was making that point that sometimes attack is the best form of defence. And it is, a, it is a cliche, but there's a reason that that cliche exists because it's often true. Um, and we just saw that that balance shifted in this game. And, and that again, we go back to the, to the credit that the staff and the manager and the players get for doing that and recognising that and being able to do it against such a good side. So, um, yeah, hopefully we take that and kick on. And hopefully another thing that we take and kick on was just how good the football was for our equaliser. We've talked about it a little bit, but you know it comes from being under a little bit of pressure down on the on our left, Liverpool's right. And Wilf just does what he does every now and then and just takes the ball and runs with it and just is too strong, too skillful for, for the Liverpool players and particularly Alexander-Arnold, who he was a terrible, terrible defensive right back. Great technical player, amazing technical footballer. Awful right back when you put him under pressure. Um, and Wilf just, just blo- sort of blows them away, puts Benteke in, down on the left and he does a tremendous job just delaying the pass to the right moment, puts it across, lovely little shift from Andros to Wilf. Lovely little shift from Wilf onto his right right foot, drills it into the corner and, you know, deserved equaliser. And seeing Wilf get his first of the season, the joy for him scoring it and the fact it was such a good goal, amazing moment. And, you know, I was, I was going mad as well. And I dare say, DR, things were quite exciting for you celebrating that one. Uh, yeah, there were a couple people on the floor. I was worried that, <laughs> that I stepped on them by accident. I mean, it was just amazing, uh, the scenes when that went in. It was such a relief because we were playing so well um, that game that 
we deserve to score a goal. We created chances as well against a very good Liverpool side. But I mean, the most significant thing is that we managed to score a goal from Benteke playing out on the floor rather than um, him have a contribution from a header. Um, it was a it was a good pass from Benteke and a good decision because initially when he was in the box, I thought, oh no, he's going to shoot it and he's just going to deflect and be a waste of a possession. But the fact that he actually passed it away rather than going for the shot was good to see. Um, from a striker that's been struggling um, to score goals. I mean, if you're, if you're struggling to score goals, the first thing that will be in your mind is to actually shoot the ball and try get one. But the fact that he was not greedy and he decided to pass the ball, that's... That's very good to see from Benteke. But yeah, great team goal. And that's the way it should be moving forward. Um, I mean, of course, you Benteke's height, it does help when you're in the final third. You might want to put more crosses in. But other than that, I wouldn't really rely on him for headers, especially in the midfield where we just boot the ball up to him. That doesn't work for me. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And um like I say, I'd really hope we can we can take a lot of heart from that goal and continue. I mean, you know, we are capable of that, and, and we have seen that under under Roy on a number of occasions. That w- when we get it right, it does look really, really good. You know, and he has put a gradual shift on our team in taking more of possession and, and you know being a bit bit more calm with the ball, not always punting it upfield. Because you know, we've as a, I mean, Patrick, you probably know more than anyone as a as a club really our our identity continues to kind of shift back to that (laughs) at regular occurrences just you know we end up being a you know a counter-attack inside or a team that sits back and knocks it long and all that kind of stuff it's rare that we would go and out football anyone for any length of time under any manager really and um we we have had that gradual shift and i think at times that's possibly where we do struggle a little bit because we, we're not used to doing that. Yeah, and it's something I think that we, we when we think about it, we should be doing more. I mean, we have the talented players enough to do that. Uh, admittedly, we do have these uh, wobbles defensively, but you guys have already said you can't defend, you know, where you, you defend 90 minutes. You're going to make mistakes. I and mean, if not, you just said it'll be nil, every match will be nil nil. But we have the attacking players. And a player like Wolf, Andros, um, you know, Luca. Maka going forward we have players that can create chances and it was the frustration has been is that we weren't and all of a sudden now you're playing the best team in the country we sure we we did it so why not do it more often so again hopefully this is a shift that maybe he was setting this up the whole time the manager you know we, we play at this we play this here at Liverpool and we push on with games I guess like you know Burnley and Bournemouth and Watford and Brighton and then we really go forward but like I said my concern was that have we done this a little earlier? Maybe we could have gotten a point or two more. Again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But again, we have the potential there. And it frustrates me because people talk about our team. We are, I think we're a better team than people want to give us credit for. We don't have to be the team struggling relegation every single season, not this year anyway. No, that's right. And that's where a lot of the, the you know, what people are calling negativity in our show, that's where a lot a lot of it comes from. You know, I, I firmly believe we are a better team than than we're kind of given credit for. And sometimes when the comments do come from within the camp, that we are, you know, we are limited or we're restricted. I don't like to hear that. It might be true, I guess, you know, they're in a better position to know than I am, but, you know, I don't feel that we have to, we have to accept that. And again, we've talked about it a lot. I won't keep repeating the point, but you know, this game, this game kind of proved that in, in one way, but it is only one match and, and we'll see how we do from here on. But look, we talked about Liverpool's winner already. So I don't think I'll revisit that anymore other than to say that it, it was a shame there are things going on in the box that you could talk about and we have talked about. Um, and, and I just want to make one last point. I guess that for me, the big difference in, in if you're talking about a foul or a push and VAR overturning that one, no Palace players are, are going to the ref and, and demanding anything. 
you know, Schlapp has a little bit of a tantrum and hits the floor, but I don't know what, whether that's him feeling he got fouled. I'm not sure, but, you know, if we're not going to react and not feel it's a foul ourselves, we can't really expect anything to be given, I don't think. And perhaps it shouldn't be that way, but it kind of always has been in football as far as I'm Yeah, but actually, Chris, I do want to go over the goal because I did watch goals on Sunday and Chris Kamara did an excellent job of breaking down that last goal. So I don't know if you guys watched the show, but he points out that on the corner kick, um, Benteke has his back turned to the corner kick taker. So he doesn't see what's going to happen on the, when the ball's coming across. So as the corner is taken... It's him and Van Dyke, and he actually blocks out um, Gary Cahill because he doesn't see the ball coming across. And by doing that, he allows Van Dyke a free run into the box. And as you guys obviously know, he gets the first touch. And after that, it's just it's ping-pong madness in the box. But he, his point being that had Benteke faced on and looked at the corner kick taker, he probably wouldn't have run into Cahill, which would not allow the Van Dyke to be so free. And again, my frustration is, and I'm sure with you guys too, is that we've just given up way too many corner kick goals. It's to the point where um, we have to. It has to be addressed. And uh, I go. We have a. We you know. We had a comment in the. Um, we had a. We had a comment from a, a from a listener about it. Let me just find it real quick and just and just point to it. Um. Uh. Sorry. One second. Um. It was a Twitter. Can I quickly make my comment on this uh, on the go? Uh, I, 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 I found it real quick. I'll bring, yeah, go for it. Pop in real quick. Um. Uh, Jedi from Twitter says. Ping effing pong for the second goal. Panic and no one cleared it when we had four around the same ball. So the point being, obviously, is that um, you know, it ping pong. And then again, Martin D two three five six on Twitter. Great performance, but didn't want to lose to such a poorly defended second goal. Hope Roy spends entire week working on defending set plays. Burnley next. And again, if you go watch goals on Sunday, the two of the players that were on were Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. I'm sure took a long look at that set play and said, "Yep, we'll be up for that next week." <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a big worry, I have to say. From uh, those two in particular, um, you know, they'll take advantage of set place. Um, I'll, I'll let Dr. jump in and set, but just to make the point, prior to the Arsenal game where we conceded two in five minutes or wherever it was from corners, we hadn't actually exactly. conceded all season from a set piece. Um, so what happened? But it's just, yes, yeah, something has, has changed lately. <laughs> well, Something's got gone wrong. Don't know what. Corner something flu. has. We'll call it that. <laughs> Corner flu. Um, yeah, yeah, just. Yeah. Before before we actually um that corner was taken, Ben Teker went to the front post. And I was not surprised because if you guys realize that when Ben Teker was starting, his role in corners was always to stand in the front post. So it seems like he was a bit confused and actually where to go and who to mark because his role was actually taken from him. Um, I'm not too sure who's marking the front post, but someone said go and mark someone. And then that's when he went out there, I think, to pick up Van Dyke or pick up Lovren, one of the two. So um, that's, that's the surprising thing that I noticed um, throughout that goal. It's like before we take a corner, Ben take a run to the front post and someone pointed out, it's like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be here. Go and mark someone. So I think there was a bit of a miscommunication in that part. Well, again, you're right. It tends to be his role, but probably if you think about it, it's his role when he's starting rather than coming on as a sub. Because uh, IU's not going to take the front post, is he? So um, yeah, I think that's in the heat probably... of the moment. In the heat of the moment, you're going to, of course, go to your natural role yeah. and you're concentrated. So, yeah, no, good spot. That you know, that little bit of indecision and confusion that can make the difference. And you know, maybe maybe we could argue that it did. But okay, let's talk a bit about some performances of note. We've we've mentioned many of them, but I think you know I've mentioned Townsend. I thought was brilliant all game, and, and my man of the match. I thought Zaha was excellent. I, I really like the look of of Maka and Coyote in the midfield. I thought Luca was actually effective. 
I've seen some people call him the weak, the weak link. I think statistically, um, Maka was actually the, the statistically the player that played the weakest in the central midfield, but I, I thought he had a good game. Um, I, I do want to raise a slight... I don't, I don't know if it's a, one we'll call it negative. It's a slight question as whether or not Coyote was the player to take off, to put Schlupp on. I thought Jeffrey Schlupp did a very good job when he came off the bench. Um, I think he worked hard. He got forward well, got back well, did all the things that he was asked to do. But I actually thought Coyote was having a very good game before he went off, and in particular, defensively. Um, I think perhaps his, his passing was misfiring a little bit, and that's why he was the one sacrificed. But Again, you sort of look at it and you think, was that the, the right call to make? But I think on this occasion, you can't question it because we had chances to, you know, once the subs were made, we had chances to to get something from the game. And that's all that, that you really want a sub to do, to come on and change enough for you to, to get that chance to get a goal or, or two. Um, so I'm not going to criticise it. I just I was just a little surprised when he went off and, and that Jeffrey Schlupp came on, but... You know, when you actually look at the evidence of the game, I think it was probably the right call. Uh, anyone else that anybody wants to pick out in terms of performance? Uh, not really. I just, if you're talking about uh, Maka, um, leading up to this game, he said that he's been struggling with uh, his back for a couple of weeks. So the break came at the right time. And I mean, he's had a couple of good games before the international break. So hats off to him. I think we're going to see the best of him now, especially if he was playing the way he was when he wasn't 100%. I mean, right now, going up to, going up, going up to these games against the Burnies and the Bournemouths where he will have probably more time with the ball and enjoy it more. So I feel like we're going to see the best out of him. I want to point out um, Townsend's performance again, not just the for the goal, but obviously I'm sure you guys remember the uh, injury time. He puts a great ball into Wilf. Wilf controls it. For me, he puts that back in the back post. He score. He tried to score. I've got no problem with that. But what a brilliant pick out by Townsend, he just had an outstanding game. And he, on that kind of form, like I said, you put a player like Benteke and Wolf on his form, we're going to do much better as far as going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one downside um, towards the end of the game as well was obviously around the 70-minute mark, Joe Ward going off injured. Obviously, went off injured in the previous game as well, uh, recovered from that, but put in a tough challenge and it looked like a, a clash of knees and you do worry when that happens. I've not seen if there's any kind of confirmed result of a scan or anything yet, but obviously not blessed with options at, at fullback. Kelly came on and did an effective job for the, for the last 25 minutes or so. Um, but, you know, obviously he's really our only option out there now. Um, so, yeah, a bit worrying really. And obviously Ward has been superb, um, getting better with, sort of with every game. Um, but a definite concern there. Uh, I mean, if, if let's say if Martin Kelly comes in and if he does struggle, I mean he done well yesterday. Um, just don't I don't want people to go and blame Roy Hodgson uh, for our struggles. I think this goes up higher, and this was the most annoying thing in the summer: the fact that we sold Aaron Wan-Bissaka, our starting right back, and went into the season with just Joel Ward. It's just ridiculous. And sometimes you could argue, look, Roy Hodgson, why are you not using Camarasa? Why are you not using Max Meyer? Fair enough, but this one is clearly not on Roy and it's up to the management um, and it's their problem really I'm, I'm still shocked at the fact that we haven't got another right back at the club not even only a right back if Banana goes out injured who's playing left back Jeffrey Schlupp I mean it's just so poor at Premier League level yeah we won't do it but I'd love to see us go three at the back and I'll just tell you quick what I'm thinking about I'd like to see Sacco play with Cahill in in the back so if you're going to do that I guess it's not fair. They've already dropped Tomkins. So if you play those three and you play 
PVA is more of a left wing back, you'd have to play, I'm going to say, Townsend at right wing back, which would probably work. Cause remember, we did that under a previous manager, tried it. Then you can keep the, you know, you keep Kiate and Luca Macro in the middle, and then obviously uh, Wilf and, well, Benteke or Ayo. But it's not going to happen. But at this point, with, with Ward's injury, we're going to have to do something creative at that right back position. And since we don't have a right back besides Kelly to play there, I'd like, I'd love to see him with the fixtures being somewhat easier. I'd never say a Premier League match is easy, but if he were to get, you know, somewhat creative back there, I'd love to see uh, Sacco get in there somehow and play three at the back. I mean, again, it's a kind of a, a dream for me, but I think that might work for us if we try something a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've thought about it a few times myself, and it's the sort of thing where if it did work, you know, you could it could be game changing, you know, really, <laughs> it really could. could but I think it's just it's very very high risk, and I don't think we're yeah. in a high risk place. It's enough, not. It's so. not something that the man, this manager would ever do. And again, the, the real key is you'd have to have a a wing back similar to PP on the on the right side, obviously, because you want an attacking one who doesn't necessarily want to defend, which he does not want to defend, by the way. But um, it doesn't work because we don't have a replacement. I mean, we need we need one soccer back there, which we don't have so so much for that idea. Mm. And going back to what Dr said, uh, Dr, remind me we'll have a little chat when we stop recording. Why? <laughs> just what I'm going to say on that. Just a little chat about that right back selection and transfer window and stuff. Just we'll have, we'll have a chat Ooh. about it. Yeah, what are you? Are you? Are you, right. you packed cousin as well? Where's <laughs> <laughs> your current friends and like distant cousin? Are you related to Parish as well now? What's going on? Yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh dear. Just teasing, right? Okay. Um, so we've got a, a a few minutes just to get through some. Um, we'll get through some of your additional contact as well. Um, but just very, very quickly, a nod to it. We've talked about it a few times, so we've kind of covered some of this ground. So it'll, it'll only be a quick chat, but. You know, I've been sort of reflecting on just, I suppose it's not just about our show. It's about, you know, all the other shows have have taken it as well. Um, And the sort of general attitude on social media and message boards and stuff, lots of people pointing at each other and talking about how people are either blind, blindly positive or overly negative. And there's a lot of focus on just how negative and demanding fans have been of late. And, you know, and I want to know what you, what you guys think about that in general. Um, I, a couple of things from me. First, I, I, you know, I acknowledge, I think, really important to acknowledge that we've been on a very tough run of games, incredibly tough run of games, almost could, where it couldn't be tougher. Um, but I do think we should, as a, as a as supporters, we should be demanding and we should be questioning. Um, I do have concerns about the sort of the, what I would call de- determine the Premier League effect on our support. And, you know, I look at myself in particular and about, I w- I'd think in a different way now we've been in the Premier League for a period of time than I did when we were in the Championship. And, you know, I looked at the Premier League teams and their supporters and I laughed at them about how blind they were to what real football was and what real struggling was and, and how privileged they were to be in the position that they were in and all that kind of stuff. And how, and I felt that they were ignorant. And you could probably, I could probably look from the Championship at our fans now and think the same thing of our fans, which I don't think... I, don't know, I, I struggle with it because I'm kind of talking about myself in a negative sense. So, you know, I am questioning my own kind of attitude towards towards the club and, and you know, sort of demanding things that are perhaps unrealistic. But I, I do wonder if people understand also that the difference between, you know, going onto Twitter or whatever and venting or, you know, being create, you know, constructively criticising and the difference between 
doing that, analysing a football match because you do a podcast about it, but actually giving when you go and support the team, you know, I I can say this hand on heart. At a football match, I've never booed a, a home player. I've never sang negative songs about the home team. I've never booed a team off the pitch. I I give a hundred percent of my support in a positive way to the team at all times during matches. So, and I, and I feel that that's that's the fair thing to do when you're a supporter. So just because you know I might rant about how frustrated I am on this show, or I might say comments on Twitter, it doesn't mean I'm any less of a supporter and, I, and that's what's annoying me at the moment um with, with some of the comments that, you, that that are being thrown around and I know Patrick you've been sort of on the receiving end of a few things as well uh, and what's your general feelings on on certainly the the attitude not necessarily I'm not talking to want to turn this into an us versus them or anything like that I do you know is there a point to make about people being overly negative or you know is it just about how people can't really seem to talk to each other without arguing yeah I think it might be the latter um I'm finding social media um, to be very uh, difficult to deal with lately. I use I use Twitter as a, a venting um, ve- uh, venue, but I don't. I'm never abusive. I'm never disrespectful to anyone. I, I try not. I've never been that way. I'm not the way to a player. I've never added a player. A lot of time, like for instance, this week I actually added Wayne Hennessy, congratulate him on making the Euros, and nobody knows how I feel about him. I mean, I was genuinely happy for the man. I really was. I was glad for him. So, I just find it. You know, you can be negative. That's fine, but you shouldn't be abusive. And I, I respect everyone's opinion. If you're the kind of person that, you know, just wants to say, you know, you're glad Pat's in the Premier League. I have no issue with that. Um, I'm the kind of person I've been. I again, you know my story. I've been a Pat supporter for, gosh, oh my, almost fifty years. Now. I can honestly say that. I remember when I was like four or five years old, remembering got my dad at my first game. It's a long time. So I've seen, I've seen everything. I've seen as much as anybody on Twitter can talk. Bob White. Uh, a great person on Twitter, you know, former Palace youth coach, and we go back and forth, and he's brilliant, and he talks about, you know, his, his views on Palace, and you know, so I've seen it all, and I'm just really glad we're in the Premier League, but I, I've, I'm also the kind of person who wants to see Palace do better, because I've seen uh, Chelsea be as bad as we were um, way back when. When I was a child, Chelsea wasn't, a, you know, they they won trophies, obviously, but they were in the same division as we were, in the second division. And they've come a long way. Yeah, they could they got a billionaire owner, and I get that part. But look at their youth. I told you this last time I was on. Look at their youth policy, and, and, and I know it's due to a lot to, to luck, but look how they are. I want Palace to do better. I don't see the need for looking at games like against Liverpool and saying, oh, we played well, but we lost. I get it, and I understand that I'm, you know, I'm not, unhappy with the performance yesterday but why do we have to be that way when we can strive for better so as far as the opinions of people I, I respect everyone's opinion but it doesn't have to be the same you know because mine is different than yours and the negativity can be very difficult it can be very difficult to deal with on, on, on with and, I, and I, i'm with you chris i've been to hundreds of past matches even though i haven't been in england you know england of late and when i was you know young and i've never booed a palace player the players i didn't like you know i've told you about players i don't like but if they don't like someone doesn't mean i'm going to boo that person um I, I, and again i respect people's opinions on it so i just find that you know if you want to be the person and again we're in the premier league i just think we can do i think palace can do better because i've seen clubs like us or you know do better and i don't think that we have to say oh we're not in a relegation zone so you know just be happy no i think we can we can it's okay to, to want more for your club and it's also like also okay to disagree but just do it respectfully 
as opposed to being so disrespectful. I think at times people can be very disrespectful towards others. I think that has to that has to something that has needs to stop. Yeah, I mean that is it is fairly typical of that kind of anonymity. Well, not necessarily anonymity even because we most of us are real people on Twitter. But you know, what I mean, it's just kind of that effect that you can just fire off a comment. And I know I was talking to people directly after the game, and I've got honestly, you know, those of you that were talking to me on Twitter yesterday. I've got utmost respect for you. I, I didn't take any of it, you know, badly or anything like that. I'm not angry about it or anything like that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I take all comments as, as they're intended, but also directly after a game, people can be very, very frustrated. And if sometimes when they see that differing opinion to themselves, they're like, you know, it's like red rag to a bull, isn't exactly. it? You know, I was joking about it. Right. I was joking about it earlier. Like I didn't give the VAR decision. I just happened to think it was probably just about right, you know, even though, Lovren threw himself to the ground and it didn't affect the goal. I kind of could see why it was, but you know, I shouldn't then have to <laughs> expect to be sort of taken to task on it, really. But it is what it is. I, you know, I'm just concerned. I don't. I don't want this. I, I, I acknowledge this show has unfortunately become. You know, we have been quite negative of late, and I think it's it's a bit of glib to call it just negative. Full stop. I think you know we're analysing what we're seeing, and if what we're seeing. <laughs> the analysis comes out negative, then that's not necessarily our fault. Um, but I do think there is a balance to be struck and perhaps we have drifted a little bit too far down one way. So we'll certainly, certainly think about that. And I hope this show has, has, has shown that we can and want to be very, very positive about positive performances and, and good things being done, even if the result doesn't go our way. Uh, Kernaz, what do you think? Uh, I just, uh, in terms of what I think, um, I was going to go with more of a positive approach and say that, look, at least we're not Man United fans who are suffering right now. Why are they losing 1-0 away to Sheffield United? And the player on loan, uh, Chris Morden, is tweeting that he's got a goal and assist and a clean sheet um, while they're losing 1-0 down. So, I mean, there's so many positives. At least we don't support United. But in terms of the negativity on social media, I mean, after the game... You're right, Amber. I feel like you made a very good point in terms of once you lose or you draw and you're just frustrated and you see someone that offers a different um, opinion to yours, it could make you feel some kind of way. And it seems like you could lose a bit of yourself. Um, I feel like I use that phrase a lot, losing myself. Uh, but yeah, you could. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can <laughs> actually, reason. yeah, you can actually be someone else um, and you can make comments which you don't intend to. But I feel like at the end of the day, we have been a bit frustrated over this last season or two because of the style of football that we played. Um, I mean, you look at last season at home towards the end of the season, the atmosphere wasn't there because we just wasn't playing good enough football. And it seems like it's just, it's not like a one game thing. When people are frustrated, it's been built up from a long time. And some people are just not clearly happy with Roy's football and there's people who are. And it's just, it's going to be constant arguments because you can understand both, both points of view in terms of, Look, Hodgson will keep us up, but then people are saying that we should be playing better. We should be getting better results. And once once them type of people clash, then of course it's going to be toxic. But all I have to say, just be positive that we don't support Man United. No, I agree with that part, definitely. And you you make a very good point there, Dio. You know, and I think the important thing is there's always a balance, isn't there, where between what you say being constructive, whether it's positive or negative, and what you say just being blindly one thing or the other. I think you know, certainly some people drift into the realm of if you say anything that is criticism of the board, the club, the manager, players, they turn on you straight away. And those people, you think, well, come on, you, you actually, you know, I'll give an example, not, I'm not naming any names, but there are people out there who if you criticise the manager, their responses are simply that, oh, he's been a manager for 43 years, so you cannot possibly say anything that 
that is right where Roy is wrong. You can't, you know, he's never wrong, basically. And you just think, well, actually, no, that that doesn't really stand up to any kind of logical scrutiny at all, does it? Because nobody's perfect, and you know, Roy knows more about football than than any of us will ever know for sure. And you know, he is a fantastic manager, and he knows how to get the best out of what he's got. But he doesn't necessarily what what he thinks and his ways aren't necessarily the only way. You know, and we can come up, you know, we all watch a lot of football. We all watch our own team with an incredible amount of scrutiny. And we all know our players and we all know their strengths and weaknesses. And we all make different decisions about it. And we may be right or wrong. But what I'm basically getting at is you can question anything. (laughs) Absolutely anything Um, at all. It's fine. You can question it. You don't have to, you know. I was about to say that. I mean, apart from them people, I'm happy wherever. I mean, if we can't criticise Roy because he's been a manager for 50 years, then let's just bin off social media, bin off this podcast and just say, you know what, he's 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 been a manager for 50 years. He must be correct. I mean, just because he's been manager for 50 years doesn't mean that he's, he's going to get every decision correct. People are right to criticise him. I've backed Roy before. I've criticised him because... You've, he's got experience, but it doesn't mean that every, everything he does is correct based on that experience. So, yeah, I mean, them kind of people, if you're listening, I just I, I just find it annoying. I just find it annoying that Roy can't do any wrong because he's been a manager for longer than we've basically been alive. Um, I don't think that's correct. I feel like he can still make mistakes like any other person. Of course, I won't take away from the experience side of things. And Roy's a top-class man as well. You can see that the work he does with the club and the foundation. But if we're talking about football and certain games where we're underperforming and you're looking at tactics, then yeah, I, I can blame Roy. I, I, it doesn't matter how long he's managed the game. He can make mistakes just like anyone else in this world can. No one's perfect. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like, you know, just, just wanted to talk around that topic there. I'm sure we'll touch on it again. But hopefully people get the point that we're making. But I do, you know, obviously I do want this this show to be as positive as possible and as enjoyable to listen to as possible. Always welcome to hear feedback and all that kind of stuff. It'd be appreciated. And like I say, I hope, hope today's been a, been a much more positive show. That was definitely the intention. And, and that is more than anything, that's driven by the fact that it was an extremely positive and good performance. Um, so we'll be um oh i don't know if you can hear the dog outside my house yeah interesting. What, what type of dog do you have oh is it not yours no 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 that's what happens when you live in a house that backs onto a directly onto a street in a terrible terrible area of reading um it's i don't know reading's as bad as uh new york is it nice where you live patrick <laughs> it is very nice i have a very quiet suburban area Lots of pets and but not a lot of people, so I'm very content with that. Good, I'm I'm glad to hear. You seem to be quite close to that uh, that baseball park, though. I don't know what's going on there. But... Yeah, PSI. I keep hearing this weird sound every time. Yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so a few bits of listener contact left over. One of the topics that we did touch on earlier, um, and Cheesy Palace has called it an unpopular opinion, but that's not necessarily so, given what we talked about earlier. But he said, should we give Benteke a chance by starting him for a game or two just to see if he has something? Yes. He's come on and done well. Give him a chance. I know that we should. It would be hard to drop you though. Agreed. Yes, from Patrick. DR, DR said kind of a yes, uh, but he might not also right be now. better staying not on right the sub bench. Yeah. You think right now? Uh, and I think, I agree it's hard to drop Ayu, and, but I think that there's a possibility we can do that with uh, basically what Patrick was saying. If Wilf and Andros are flying like they were against Liverpool, you kind of think, well, Benteke might be the man to take proper advantage of that. But it's a hard call. It really is a hard call to make. 
And Mark drew um, to mention that it was a great performance, but lacking that clinical goal threat, which we touched on earlier with us being linked with a few strikers um, and maybe that being the difference. So that as well. Um, that last comment, is that from, oh, as a comment from Wilfred Zaha as well. Yeah, <laughs> Patrick, is that... put that in there. <laughs> what did Wilf have to say? <laughs> well, Wilf said, let me find it. Will said, want to be helping the team by scoring goals. So good to get one today, but ultimately disappointed not to get anything from the game. Positives to take from the performance and goal to take into next week. And just, I, he said similar on the post-match. So again, the players, again, disappointed, which is good. You know, you obviously want them to be disappointed. But again, the fact that they were so positive about the performance and want to move on is a good thing. And I'm just glad Will's on the scoreboard. Hopefully he'll push on. Absolutely right. Well, anyway, look, we better leave it there. Uh, gone on, gone on quite a long time. So, apologies, we can't get to any more of your contact. I say, do get in touch in future weeks. In particular, like to hear some from you on WhatsApp with some voice messages. That number, o two o three five seven five one two six six. And of course, as well as our social accounts, you can email us hi at back of the nest dot com. Uh, so it'll be Love Sport on Tuesday, 8 to 9pm. Um, do check that one out. It'll be obviously available as a podcast or you can listen to it live on Tuesday evening. Uh, just check out the Love Sport site for that. And of course, the preview guys will be back looking ahead to the Burnley game. Probably be out on Thursday at some point, I would suggest. So they'll obviously get your questions into those guys as well on the socials. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers to DR and Patrick and to Mikey for editing this later on. Um, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.